This is Natalie Dellinger, your host, here to bring you all the inspired beings that I am lucky enough to meet in my lifetime. Speaking of inspired better beings, on the episode today is Michelle Zellner. She is the founder of Better Beings. She is the author of The You Revolution, The Journey of Being Better. She hosts retreats in Hawaii, their week-long wellness adventures, She created workshops that are designed to optimize every aspect of your well-being, from finding a sense of balance to reconnecting to your inner self to reducing stress, and even does corporate health and wellness workshops that help employees proactively manage a wide range of issues from anxiety to obesity. So we have so much to cover on this episode. It's one of the longer ones because I was lucky enough to interview Michelle in person. And I think, you know, I love being able to connect with people all over the world, but there's something special about reading their vibes and their energy. And Michelle has such good vibes and energy. This episode covers so many topics. Can't wait for you to hear it. But of course, it's time to read a ratings and review before we dig in. So this readings and review comes from Aggressively Casual. It says, wellness you actually want. Natalie has a gift, and aren't we lucky she has the courage to share it with us. Her passion for making wellness of all forms, physical, mental, and spiritual, tractable for non-gurus, is obvious in the care she puts into bringing us all along a journey of self-discovery. Keep the episodes coming, and how about treating us to a book sometime? You know, it's funny you say that, aggressively casual. Um, I'd love to write a book someday. I love to hear how people are inspired by their own life journey. I can help other people live a better life. I truly believe there's so much value in sharing personal journeys and personal tips. I think, you know, there's so much information available to us on the internet and we could really look up anything in the world we wanted to, but hearing a journey, hearing tips and tricks, hearing what wellness means to a certain someone in your life or someone you've met on the street or someone you've heard talk at a conference or someone you hear at a podcast or your best friend or your partner, it's so much more attainable that way to me. And that's why I have this podcast episode. I want to share these tips and tricks, these journeys, these inspired beings with you so that it can spark your own version of passion and inspired and help you figure out what it is that lights you up in this world. So you can lean into that feeling and what else could you really want? What are the patterns that are making us well and healthy and living lives that we are proud of? And I'm rambling. So without any further ado, this is episode 45 with Michelle Zellner, The You Revolution. Here we go. Hey, 
everybody, welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Michelle Zellner, who is one of my in-person interviews, which is so nice because we're both in Denver. She's the author of The You Revolution and has so much more on her resume that I'll let her share. So hey, Michelle. Hi, Natalie. It's nice to see you in person. It is. I feel like we've both done a lot of like background on each other, me through reading your book and and me through listening to your podcast, yeah, which I'm extremely impressed with, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So the best, the best thing I've ever decided to do. And I love these connections that come from it. It's so much fun. So um, the first thing I want to do is pull an intention card. So just as a way to set the tone. So tell me to stop shuffling whenever. Okay. I think you should stop shuffling now. Okay. And then pick card. Oneness is my true nature. Ooh. Hmm. That goes really well with the Interesting. colors on your table. Okay, so I will pick this one. My outer experiences are reflect are a reflection of my internal condition. It's funny how I pick like the same cards over and over again. <laughs> my outer experiences are a reflection of my internal condition. Awesome. So, Michelle, before we dive into your life story, your book, the question I want to start with is, what lights you up in this world? So, I have to say, honestly, it's as simple as knowing that I'm helping people and impacting their lives in a positive way. Um, And I get to do that on a daily basis, um, and I get to do that with a lot of different people some that I know personally, some that I never ever even see a face. They're just a name in a web room, um, but they put some nice feedback in after a class I've taught that this was really powerful. Thank you so much. And so, yeah, it really just feels good to know that um, my own personal journey is now helping a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, it's cool. I was reading your book and you really did start like from the beginning of explaining why you even wrote this book in the first place and being able to share your story as a means of advising other people of the toolkit, I like to call it, for how to get through life because it can throw so many twists and turns your way. So tell us a little about your background so people are familiar. Yeah, so um, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin and I was a a gymnast from a pretty young age and did that basically full-time throughout my childhood. Never wanted to do it post uh, growing up (laughs) and so knowing that I was not going to go on to do it in college um, I decided that my senior year I was just going to kind of live a normal life and uh, that normal life (laughs) meant some pretty unhealthy habits um, with especially surrounding food. Um, Gymnastics was great for a lot of things but also sort of uh, developed a pretty unhealthy relationship with food because of it. So after I quit, I kind of gave a big old middle finger to the world. It was like, yay, I could do whatever I want. And I proceeded to eat nonstop for a good two years, Um, which was kind of fun in the moment, but not really, (laughs) and not really in the long run for sure. Um, But I also always knew that I was going to somehow find myself back in Hawaii. Um, I went there when I was eight uh, on a vacation for the first time, and it literally felt like I was home. 
and it just felt like uh, totally normal. And so college was really my first opportunity to get back there. And so I went to school at the University of Hawaii um, thinking I was going for <laughs> tourism management. And after a semester of that, I absolutely hated it and uh, decided just to get into psychology because what else are you going to do when you don't know what you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't, I've always been fascinated by people and humans and um, also thought that maybe getting a little more information and background for myself on nutrition would maybe help me figure out my stuff. Um, so yeah. I have uh, psychology and nutrition in my undergraduate degrees. And then um, in the meantime, met some really wonderful friends who are from Colorado and uh, they encouraged me when I realized I needed to go on to school to apply to CU Boulder and so I went to CU for my master's in kinesiology and uh, started working at a gym and was a personal trainer and quickly realized that this is like the best gig ever <laughs> um, because I got to work with lots of people and really personal training is about 95% psychology it's 5% knowing what you're doing about fitness. Um, so it was everything I loved. I got to help people. We got to talk about fitness. We got to talk about nutrition. We got to talk about all kinds of things going on. They, they literally had like the best therapy deal in town. Um, <laughs> I remember you mentioning that. Like you found that um, a lot of your clients just wanted to talk to you mm -hmm. and, and not work out, which is yeah. Which is funny. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's one who was notorious for me showing up at his door and being like, we're going to breakfast today. And, hey, you want to pay me to go to breakfast with you? I guess, who am I to argue? <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah. That, honestly, it wasn't really my favorite way to spend my time. I really do prefer people to get a good workout while we have a great conversation or while we bust through some other uh, challenge that they're facing in their lives. Um, and I really discovered that it was, it was, you know, those experiences that left me feeling really fulfilled. Not so much that, oh, you lost two pounds or you, you know, increased your strength by 10%, but it's that you went home and had a really hard conversation with your teenager or with your spouse, or you were going to go in and have a really difficult meeting with your boss the next day, and that we had worked through some of that stuff to help you feel confident to go do that. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Um, and so to backtrack to... Being a gymnast, um, I know so many people and women and men can relate, and this is obviously a topic for me that hits so close to home. Uh, starting with fitness or athleticism, athletic endeavors or um, sports, whatever, then having it turn into something where you start to look at your body as like this malleable, um, I don't know what it is, something there, it can be like that scale can get tipped at a young age. Um, what was your ex ex memory or experience of that like? And what were some of the things you did to, like you mentioned, learn about nutrition to kind of build up um, that worth of who you were? While I was in gymnastics or post? Probably like, what would it, how did that shift occur for yeah, you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, my gymnastics experience, I would say was 90% wonderful. Um, but we worked out with a college team that was in our same space and coaches would say, oh, you know, if you don't watch what you're doing now, you're going to end up like that. And there were some heavier girls on the team. And so it was really drilled into us in a very, a very kind of unkind way and, a, and not a, an educational informative way, but as a, like a scary way. Um, so you kind of learn to fear food 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, just being around food was scary because, oh my God, what if I eat it? What's going to happen to me? <laughs> right. I have to be in a leotard right. like, tomorrow. And yet the reality is it is a safety issue when you're throwing your body all over the place. And so it's not just about how you look, but it is a safety issue that you're carrying extra weight around and your body's not prepared to do that and still flip through the air, flip through the air <laughs> safely. Right. right. Um, and so after, you know, I, I started gaining weight, I was a teenager and that's going to happen. And it kind of got to that place where, uh, I don't know, I don't really know how to manage this in a healthy way. And clearly I wasn't cause it became, you know, afraid to eat around people. But then if you're not eating there, why aren't you eating? You need to eat. And then when you eat, are you, what, you sh- should you be eating that? Right. And so just completely mixed messages. And I think after I quit, like I said, I was just like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And it was ugly. I'm not going to lie. It was like, I think I tell the story in my book, how I went from put a note on my coach's car that I was quitting. And I went to the first Dairy Queen in town and ate a gigantic size blizzard on the way to the second Dairy Queen in town and ate another one on the way to the third Dairy Queen in town. And that to me was like, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Um, And I think it really didn't shift for me until probably several years into college. Um, So, you know, clearly I knew that as I was gaining weight, this was not what I wanted to be and where I wanted to be. So then diet mentality set in and okay, let's just go on a diet because what else do you do? And that worked a little bit like it always does. And then it stopped because you go on a diet, you're going to go off a diet. Um, And, you know, going back then to or going to college in Hawaii where nobody knew me before, they only knew me as this kind of fat white girl, quite honestly. (laughs) And that was fine because I was happy. I was fun. I was great. Everybody loved me and I had lots of local friends. It was all wonderful. But I knew it wasn't me and I wasn't comfortable. Um... And so for me, like the real big change happened. I had gone back to Wisconsin for a summer for a friend's wedding. And I grew up out in the country in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing to do. So I would just go for walks and our walk around the block is about 12 miles. Oh my God. Right. (laughs) Because you got all day. Why not? Sure. And so of course the weight was coming off because it's going to. And, you know, being a little bit insulated also, there wasn't just a lot of junk food around because we live out in the middle of nowhere. And I really decided that that was going to be my catalyst to making real changes when I got back to school. Um, So I decided I was going to sign up for the Honolulu Marathon because that was going to be a great excuse to not go out, Mm. um, not go out to breakfast because I got to get up early and train, not go out late at night because I got to get up early and train, right? It was really like a nice kind of way to insulate me from having to now explain to all my friends why I'm saying no to all this stuff. Mm. Um, And so it was a little bit of a disguise for me because I wasn't really ready to share a lot of that with my new friends. Um, And that was, it was good for a while. And then of course the marathon was over and then what? (laughs) But by then I sort of had established that new expectation that I don't go out and do these things all the time. Mm. It's not that I don't ever do them, but I also wasn't yet in a place in my own journey where I felt confident that I could go and do those things and not completely derail and fall over a cliff. Um, So it was really just trying to balance having fun and being social with also knowing my own boundaries and my own, um, you know, pitfalls and vulnerabilities and protecting myself from that. 
Yeah, and it sounds like you kind of went from one extreme to the next and you're just kind of finding that rhythm and what worked for you mm-hmm. and what made you feel good. Um, and so you came sort of back to fitness and I think that kind of makes sense. It's a natural transition, all right? Like that was too extreme and then not doing anything to make me feel active and fit is maybe not going to work for me. So, Well, I had always exercised. That never, mm-hmm. ever, ever left my life. In fact... It's probably the reason things didn't even get more out of control was because I still did exercise, sometimes maybe in an unhealthy way to, you know, punish myself for eating too much. So I kind of went a little overboard at some points with it. Um, but also at some point your body is like, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, like what are you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, fitness has always been part of my life, which I'm really thankful for. Um, And so when I was figuring out what am I going to do, you know, post uh, deciding I hated the tourism industry, (laughs) Um, psychology was natural and nutrition felt good, but also really thought that I was going to go to grad school for um, sports psychology, which is what my emphasis is in. Um, But I had this vision of working with athletes with eating disorders, Um, And hopefully using some of my own experience to help guide them through some of the challenges that I know uh, firsthand what those look like. And I quickly learned that the program I was in was not that type of program. It was a research-based program. So my dreams of being a sports psychologist uh, really kind of vanished quickly, Mm. which was fine, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to dabble and kind of explore the area is that what I really want to do and like what does even sports psychologists do right because what it meant was I was gonna have to get my PhD in psychology and I was like oh no 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 we are done with school (laughs) I learned it I'm over it yeah and by that time I was already doing personal training making a very nice income for a 24 year old um you know small town Wisconsin girl making at the time you have to remember this is back in the uh, late 90s before personal training was even a thing like right. it was still very new only uh you know rich people in california had personal trainers at this time hmm. um, so it was a very new field and uh that's part of the reason why some people were a little skeptical about what i was gonna do when i said oh i'm gonna be a personal trainer they were like hmm yeah it was like before the gym like era really yeah. took off where people were yeah signing up for gyms yeah that's interesting. As we shifted to like a more sedentary work lifestyle and people were like, oh God, I don't, I don't feel good. Right. Right. Yeah. So I want to talk about nutrition um, because obviously that's a huge piece. Like you just mentioned, if you could exercise and you can eat well and one or the other, but like there's some good balance between the two that's really healthy. Um, what were some of the things you learned that really st- stuck out to you that helped you find what worked best for you? You know, honestly, none of what I learned in school helped <laughs> because I grew up in a time where we were we were taught that fat is the devil. Uh, um, so I yeah. grew up in the you know low low fat high carb era that if you eat fat you will get fat and you will die, and so a whole mm. bunch of us stopped eating fat and a whole bunch of us got fat and got diabetes because when you're not eating fat you're eating sugar. Right. Right. And so there were things that I thought were doing that were healthy because this is what I've been taught. And little did I know I was really just setting myself up to go binge on cookies. Right. So like when you eat back in the day, what was healthy was a plain bagel and a banana and some fat free yogurt. And no matter how hard I tried, I wasn't going to eat cookies, not going to eat. I have willpower. I'm going to be good. 
I'd eat cookies. And then I'd be like, oh my God, you're such a loser. What is wrong with you? And then I'd eat 10 more to make myself feel better. (laughs) Um, So I wish that I could record and go back in time and really remember when I had the epiphany of, oh my God, if I just eat protein, fat, and fiber together, it's magical. I honestly don't know when that occurred. I know it was uh, well after the 90s, um, probably early 2000s is my guess. Mm. Um, I know for many of you, you're like, I wasn't even born then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think what I figured out worked for me was just a lot of trial and error. And, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of things. It's just, it's the physiological effect that food has on you. So understanding how to properly nourish the body for a certain physiological response that is going to minimize the desire for the junk later. Um, but also, of course, it's the, the food attitude and the mindset and this labeling good foods and bad foods and you should eat that and you're not supposed to have that and feeling bad when you've eaten something that you know you weren't going to. Um, and that whole just food attitude and judgment about food at some point I just grew really sick of it you're like I'm tired of being like angry at myself yes and like stress adding the stress into my life yes totally yeah totally so through your journey um thank you for sharing all that by the way um just I mean it's in a book so yeah you can find (laughs) you can find more um and I'm holding the book and what I want to do is break down um you know the process of why you wanted to write a book like mm-hmm. what was it that led you to that decision yeah so I probably have to go just a little bit into the evolution of my business really so my business is better beings and I created that again a million years ago when I was a personal trainer um, coming up with a name for my training business um, I really started to think about you know what am I trying to accomplish Well, I'm helping people build healthier stronger uh, disease-free bodies, and I'm working on their minds, so better minds, better bodies, better beings, right? Better human beings. Sure. That's what I'm trying to create. Um, and so I went through doing a lot of personal training, um, also started teaching like uh, what today we would call lunch and learns. Um, back then, I just had a lot of clients who owned companies or were high up in their companies, and they'd say, hey, will you come in and just talk to my group on nutrition? Because we just, you know, we're all eating a bunch of junk. We just need some tips. Like donuts in the office. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And of course, I would go and teach nutrition, and they'd order pizza for the lunch and learn, sure. right? Of course. Yes. Of course. Because what else would we order? Um so anyway, I, I just through doing a lot of those and kind of creating content and, and being interested in that and really enjoying the back and forth conversation I would have the small groups, um, started to get more into that kind of stuff. And um, in the probably the last 10 to 12 years, my business has really evolved more into that kind of stuff where I'm teaching wellness education whether it's via a webinar or it's an on-site here in the Denver metro area. Um, sometimes it's you know personal that they hire me, Better Beings, directly. Sometimes it's they have a wellness program, and so through their insurance company, I am partnered in with their EAP, and I teach their material. Um, so it, it happens in a lot of ways. But the way the book came about specifically was about five years ago now. One of my um, corporate clients contacted me that they were interested in having kind of a robust 
wellness lifestyle change program for one of their clients and they wondered if I would be interested in creating that. It's like, oh heck yeah. Um, so by that time, I was pretty far along in my own evolution of health and wellness and figured some stuff out and still had a long way to go. Um, but I just started reflecting on all the things that it takes to be a healthier human and um, you know, thinking about all the conversations I've had with the challenges and the struggles and this issue and that issue. And so I came up with um, basically 10 weeks of content that touched on every single um, health and wellness related issue from literally knowing your numbers, right? The mm -hmm. inside of physiology. Uh, what is wellness? What does that even mean? What does it mean right. to it's be such well? It's a broad term. Right. Yeah. And then nutrition and fitness and sleep and stress management and your attitude and your mindset and your social interactions and like all of it. And so, you know, we came up with the title, The You Revolution, um, and it was this 10-week lifestyle change program, and I've been fortunate enough to be teaching that for the last six years. Uh, and at the end of the last session, somebody in the class said, you know, you really just need to write this in a book. And I was like, huh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I think of that? Um, and so I did. I decided it was time, and it felt natural, uh, a natural time to do it. And I always teach from a point of my own experience. Mm -hmm. So the book is really the marriage of my class content and my own personal journey. So it's the you revolution, the journey of a better being. And so that's me, my, my I'm the better being that I'm talking about in there. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's how the book became what it is. And how do you describe wellness to people when you show up at a lunch and learn, for example? How do I define it for myself? Um, I know that I am well when I am making healthier choices more often than not in a whole bunch of areas like what I'm putting in my body, how much I'm moving my body, how I feel physically, um, a lot of the you know internal conversations that I might be having with my own head, um, what my relationships are like and my social interactions. Um, am I sleeping? You know, all of those things really um, kind of pour into a human and are going to determine whether or not you are well. But I think everybody should define it for themselves because it is different. You know, the person who's struggling with diabetes, for them to be well is maybe I'm going to change my lifestyle and get off insulin or I'm going to halt it so that I don't have my foot amputated in seven years. Right. They, that might be being well to somebody. So I think it really is individually defined. And it's so interesting to me that even people who know me and know what I do, when I told them I was writing a book, they automatically assumed it was about nutrition and fitness. I'm like, well, I mean, that's a piece of it, but th this is 10 chapters, 11 chapters long. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they, they each get a chapter, but there's a whole bunch more to this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think we do sort of box ourselves into this idea that, oh, oh, it's just about nutrition mm -hmm. or, oh, it's about exercise. And it's, it's like so much more than that. Right. And if, and I like that you mentioned that and I, I can understand why people, if they hear what you've done, like, oh, well, you were a personal trainer. You're writing about how you can train yourself out of, you know, yeah. but what is so important about, I think the wellness industry is talking about like the mindset piece, the stress management piece, the relationship piece, because 
like we've already talked about, working on one of those things is really not going to make an impact. No, and in fact, a lot of times people devote a whole bunch of time and energy to one or two like, of those Like fitness buckets. is a huge... Right. Right. Like and a if, lot of people do that. And totally. if you're not addressing the other things... I mean, it'll it'll get you somewhere, but it's only going to take you so far. Sure. Um, and everything everything filters into everything else, right? So if you're not sleeping well, well, you're probably not exercising because you're too tired, and you're probably not eating healthy because you just want some sugar to give you energy, and you didn't have time to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're probably crabby, so maybe you had an interaction with a coworker that wasn't positive mm-hmm. and now we have that issue going on and you can't think clearly because you haven't had rest and so now you're making mistakes at work or you're forgetting things and that's stressful and so then I'm going to go eat some sugar because that's how I you know cope with my stress and it I makes mean, you feel good for like a minute right yeah <laughs> totally yeah yeah and I mean for me personally I know on the wellness journey, I had to stop focusing so much on fitness, like from an athletic background, realizing taking that to an extreme, like wasn't working. And I was like, and I'm forgetting, I'm, I don't have enough time now to dedicate to all these other areas of my life that are really important. And it's been hard mm-hmm. to give it up. Number one, mm-hmm. not give up about fitness altogether. I'm moving my body every day, but to give up CrossFit, for example, that was like this obsession and this like life to me. To then be like, well, you know what? I want to focus more on my creativity because I don't feel like I'm, you know, and it's, it's, it's given me space. And I think the reason I bring that up is I know how easy it is to focus on one part of the Mm -hmm. puzzle or just dive into nutrition. And then that, oh, (laughs) leading to that extreme. Now we have eating disorders around orthorexia when it's all focused on the cleanness of food. And it's just, you just hear this again and again and we need to hear this again and again Um, and I have to say I was where you were you know back when I was like trying to figure out my crap um you know I would say no to going out with the friends because I had to go work out because I was afraid of missing a workout what oh my gosh what's gonna happen if I don't even though I already worked out in the morning well I still had to go to the aerobics class at night because I I have it's to. gonna make my brain feel better and I'll right. feel better and I'll make yes. me, everything will be better. Yeah, and, and it is hard to give up that mindset. Um it, you know, and I think again it, it just goes to diet mentality and diet culture and, and it's amazing to me how even with all the work that I do with people and I know there's a lot of people out there who are trying to break up with diet mentality and how many people still have it. Mm-hmm. And that they're shocked to hear me say well, just take the focus off of weight loss and change your behaviors instead. They're like, what do you mean? You mean I shouldn't weight myself? And I'm like, no, you shouldn't. That's right. Yes, just let it go. Just work on making better choices. (laughs) Yeah, and just keep finding what works for you. And and I feel like that focus on weight, it is so much an internal pressure, like from yourself. Mm -hmm. But then you're getting, like, that image like you talked about well why are you eating second servings or why aren't you eating enough like we get it so much mm-hmm. that it is easy to focus and fall into that pattern absolutely it yeah. is so easy especially as a woman from my perspective I can speak to that like it's everywhere and like even yeah. like today I was telling you they ordered pizza at the office and I know what would have happened if I didn't eat the pizza I would have been like hey there's pizza in the office let me tell you for the third time and right like, I realize that but I just had lunch, I'm good, and, and there's a lot of shame around food, and I think because people are really insecure about food in yes, general, not absolutely. just people with eating disorders, just 
yeah. weird. I think there, it's, it, there's so much judgment about what you are or are not eating. It's always very fascinating to me. I love to observe. Um, and part of this was because when I was just trying to make better choices, I would get really irritated when somebody would comment on what I was eating. And I thought, what does what I'm putting in my mouth have anything to do with your life? Yeah. And sometimes I would say that out loud. <laughs> and I don't know. You know, I, I, yeah. I also learned that I can't control anyone but me. And so if you want to push your pizza on me uh, and I don't want to eat it, I will just say no three times. Sure. Now, I might really want to eat it, and it's going to be hard to say no. But I'm going to remind myself why I'm going to say no, because it's just I just don't want to have it now. This yeah. isn't a choice I want to make right now. If I'm going to eat pizza, I'm going to do it thoughtfully, and it's going to be the pizza I love. It's not going to be this garbage. And I'm going to right. sit down where I can enjoy it thoroughly. A truffle oil, like, yes. you know, something just that really... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we touched on um, fitness, and we touched on nutrition. The next part I want to touch on are relationships. Um, oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> and first, relationship to self and others. There's so much in here. And this was a part of your book that really was... And it was... I, I liked how open you got and how real you got with your story. And I'm sure that took a lot of courage. Did it take a lot of courage? What was, what was that? You know, like? what's interesting is I saved those chapters for writing for last because I knew they were going to be the most difficult to write. Um, and yet by the time I wrote it, I was already pretty removed from the situation. So it almost felt like I was telling somebody else's story. And I actually just went and reread my book a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh yeah, that like that happened to me. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, and, and like it's a different not, life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like anything, you know, traumatic or abusive. And I mean, it, it it just my the person I was with had some pretty significant mental health issues, and it was rough. And it was very rough the way he chose to proceed with that. Um, and you know, I mean, just starting way back, even talking about relationships with friends growing up in a small town and you know trying to be one of the cool kids and just never quite making it <laughs> yeah like what is it right? that you make anyway I know aren't the cool kids um, all insecure too yes except to they just don't think they are right you just want to be one of them I was always on the kind of the periphery of them you know so I f sort of felt like a semi-cool I can relate 100 uh, yes um, but I was always a little bit different because I did gymnastics not a school sport right, right? I lived outside of town not in town where everybody did my mom was foreign and foreign mom in a small little rural town that's weird so I was you know, always her speaking uh her native Dutch yes you. I scold I would scold her when she would speak Dutch in front of my friends like mom we're which, in America speak English right right which yeah. is such a natural reaction for like a teenager or right. a young adult to have but now it's like the coolest oh, thing oh, right only. <laughs> I to this day I say that is one of my biggest regrets mm. um for sure yeah but understand, um, understandably in the, in the Yeah, scenario. you're just always trying to fit in, right? And so yeah. I kind of got under the spell of someone in, in our high school, in our grade school, and, you know, really, obviously, very much later recognized that she was just a manipulator and one of those people that needed to control someone, and I got to be the chosen one. It was great. Um, and really ostracized me from the rest of our pack. Um, and it was only because 
one person in the group said, you know, I, I just think, I just, I just uh, think you need to check in with some people because there's some things that don't make sense. And, and based on that conversation, I reunited with almost all of the friends that she had separated me from. And, um, that was a huge, like, Ooh, I just got major chills just talking about it. Cause that was, um, a really big pivotal moment in my life for my own self that, you know what? I am going to learn from this and I'm going to be eyes wide open um, that the people you surround yourself with should support you and should cheer you on and should not belittle you and have to have some kind of control or power over you. Um, they shouldn't be telling you how horrible you are because so-and-so said so. And, and, and if you think that that's coming, then you might want to check the source. And so it just made me... Um, I don't know if cautious is the right word, but just more aware as I as I um, proceeded through, you know, making new friends when I go away to Hawaii. You know, this is brand new. I don't know anybody. Um, and then getting into relationships and my first one, my first real one, real serious one, um, you know, again, huge betrayal of trust. Um, so that was interesting, but also another gigantic pivotal moment in my life where I decided what kind of life do I want? Who do I want to be? And that I didn't want to have a life with somebody who lied to me and cheated on me. That just wasn't going to be okay, no matter how sorry he was and how much we loved each other and blah, blah, blah. Mm, nope, that's just not a standard that my parents set for me and that I'm going to have for myself. And then enter the big one, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, went through life really honestly, totally happy single, really had a great life, was making huge strides professionally, loved where I lived, loved my life. If I was single forever, so be it. Not my preference, but certainly wasn't going to settle. Um, and then enter this guy that was like, wow, this is what I've been waiting for. This is why I went through all the crap I went through for this, right? Because everything happens for a reason, we all hear. So I'm like, oh, well, the reason all that other garbage happened was because this is who I was supposed to be with, right? And it was amazing. It really was. It was everything you could ever imagine your fairy tale story love romance be. Until it wasn't. <laughs> um, and I knew from the get-go that he had some pretty significant challenges, and it wasn't any red flag for me or anything. I was, I'm just a very perceptive person and I'm very intuitive and I got it and it was fine. And, and you seem like very accepting and open yeah. And, and I knew that I was well equipped to help and handle and deal. Um, unfortunately he just wasn't. And mm. as a few years into it, three years into our marriage, he came home one day and said, I love you. And you're the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. And you're the best wife in the world. And I need to leave you. I mean, that's kind of the sweet short version of that. Um, of course, that didn't make any sense to me. Um, but I thought, okay, after I kind of had, you know, uh, got the shock out of my system and figured out what to do and needed to get him help like stat because he was in a really bad, dark place. And that was my only focus was to make sure he was going to be okay. Um, and, you know, decided... We're not making any decisions right now because you're not in a place to do that. But um, if you need to be separated, then okay. Ultimately, all that I cared about was that he was going to be okay. And if that meant ultimately that we were no longer married, then okay. Um, I just asked that he promise me to surround himself with healthy people who cared about his 
outcome and had no ulterior motives and that he lived a healthy lifestyle and he promised he would. And he didn't do any of that. <laughs> um, so yeah, ultimately after, you know, trying to figure a few things out, um, it was his choice to divorce and end our marriage and I did not fight it. Um, but I was pretty pissed off and I was in complete, utter disbelief because these two people, the one I married and this one, no way could they have been the same person. Um, so through all of it, I continued to take care of myself. That was never not an option. I exercised, I did everything that I could to try to be healthy and, and do what I could to come out, you know, physically okay. Um, threw myself into work, which was awesome because work was exploding and that was a great distraction. Um, do you want me to get into the dreams? <laughs> I don't know how far you want me to go uh, with this story. Yeah, no, please do. I think, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, this is a big, this was a huge, huge next step in my own growth as a better being. Um, because I am a pretty strong person and I, you know, I can accept things and move on from them. Uh, but I had a really, really significant connection with this person, like on a deep, deep energy level. Our very first date, it was literally like we'd known each other forever. We were both convinced we'd been together in past lives mm -hmm. because I've never had that kind of experience ever with anybody else like that. Um, and so a couple years after we ended and, and I ended it in grand fashion. <laughs> um, I'll let the readers, if they want to yeah. read the book, <laughs> get that, but it was pretty spectacular. Um, I started having really intense dreams, like kind of out of nowhere, like intense, intense. The, the first one was absolutely horrible. Um, me, bawling our an image of our life together like floating through my head and me just crying saying his poor heart his poor heart and his stepmom who I was very close to saying there was nothing we could do for him he's okay there was nothing they can I'm just bawling and we the the two cats that we had that I inherited I wake up in real life and the cats are standing over me kind of freaking out and like I'm literally bawling in real life and I know in my soul that something horrible has happened to him or is happening. I just know it. And I've had zero contact with him. None. In fact, my instructions to everybody were, he does not exist. Our life never happened. Do not mention him. Do not ask about him. Do not tell me anything about him. I don't want to know anything. He does not exist to me. That's how I proceeded through. That is a big point to, to mention. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked. It really did. It worked for a while until this dream. Sure. <laughs> and then the dreams kept coming and they didn't stop. And in the meantime, he had reached out a few times um, because there's one thing about him that he cannot stand for anybody to, to hate him. That to him is worse than death. And he knew that I hated him and he knew that I had every right to hate him, right? So he's part of that. Let me beat myself up because of what I'd done to her. So he had reached out a few times and I never responded ever. And I got the apology letter and the blah, blah, blah. And ugh, I'm like, well, let's just go away. So the dreams like are not stopping at all. And ugh, about a year into it, um, having some other situations also arise, um, finally came to the conclusion that I needed someone to help me bust through this. And so I, I went to see um, an intuitive 
coach. Um, Fran Gallagher here in Denver, she's amazing. Um, highly recommend her. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't need therapy because I didn't need therapy. But I needed to bus past like some something of this was going stuff on, for yeah. sure. And you couldn't sleep. You weren't obviously sleeping very well. <laughs> like, oh, it was traumatic. And I would wake up just angry, like, leave me alone. Yeah, like, seriously? Like, my God, I can't control you from coming in in my sleep. Like, right? Yeah. So, yeah, she, you know, the first thing she said, if she gets all my background, she said, well, for you to pretend that your life didn't happen, I mean, nice try, but it did. <laughs> and, you know, you really need to accept and embrace that. And what you had was wonderful just because it didn't last doesn't negate the fact that it happened and it was wonderful when it was. And I was like, ugh. Oh, happy, whatever. <laughs> right? I'm like, like whatever. Ugh. Yeah, I guess, but it's all tainted now. Yeah, you know, like yeah, exactly. You know, and I thought about all that, and she had me do some things, like write about the things that you were grateful for and all the blah, blah, blah stuff we hear that I was like, ugh, whatever. <laughs> and so and then she, she took me on this guided meditation that was, like, to this day, one of the most out-of-this-body experiences I've ever had. Um, and the short version of that is as she navigates through and I get to this place called the temple of my soul, um, she tells me that people are going to appear and I should just have whatever conversations I should have with them. And if he doesn't show up, I have to call, call him. him that gave me like chills. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is like, that was the is... only instruction. She said, just go with it. But if he's not showing up, you need to call for him. And so a few other people showed up and it was really uh, impactful. It made sense why, who showed up, who showed up. And as the this other person was kind of fading away, I started to feel my body get really, really large, like giant. Like my head was like 10 times the size that it is. And my hands were humongous. And I felt just this immense pressure in the chair in her office and I'm feeling this giganticness and he appears and the only thoughts that were coming to my head were thank you for loving me and I'm like bawling like silently just like tears just flooding out of me and I'm starting to kind of hyperventilate and you know Fran asked me at some point just take a deep breath and that's all that's coming is just thank you for loving me thank you for loving me and and you know, and eventually she said, you know, is your work done? And I just nodded. And so she brought me back down and I feel my body start to get smaller and smaller and smaller, feeling normal. And now I'm like back in her office and aware of what's going on. And she's like, so t tell me what happened. And so I explained the whole thing to her. And, and she said, isn't that interesting that you had to get larger than yourself? You had to be big. You had to get uncomfortable. But what came out of that was the truth that, you know, he loved you. And again, I was like, ugh. Gosh, are you right? Because I so wanted to just be mad forever. Because <laughs> that's easier. Yeah. Being mad is easy, mm -hmm. right? That's why we hang on to it. Um, it but does. it just wasn't helpful anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to say that the dreams magically stopped after that. They didn't. Because um, clearly I had more work to do. But eventually mm -hmm. I, I reached out to him. And we met in person. Um, and I, I know that I am one of the fortunate ones that gets to do that and gets to face the person who has done so much damage, 
um, and to have them acknowledge it, which he fully did and does, and probably even to this day still would. Um, unfortunately, I almost got sucked into his manipulation again, but because I'm very aware and, and chose not to um, let that happen, um, there again are no ties and there never will be again. Um, and I know he will reach out at some point. And all I do now, on the advice of a psychic, because the energy was not broken, was when I feel his energy come my way, I light it with love and I send it on its way. Um, and that was one of the most valuable pieces of advice that I got when, you know, just dealing with negativity um, or with an energy that you really don't want. To just dwell on it and be mad about it is only giving it more power and like you're not like trying not to focus on it right exactly and so anytime I have any yuckiness I, I literally I make a little heart symbol and I think a happy thought and then I just blow it away <laughs> um, and it's actually pretty helpful I know it sounds kind of goofy but it really works it really does yeah well the point that you keep making through that is that you can't ignore things that have happened to you or try and pretend that Something yeah. that that affected you didn't affect you because yeah. you're not larger than than that reality. So yeah. just ignoring it, it will come up somehow, somehow, some way, some way. Yep. Yeah, and those I think are are like the blockages that people talk about, right? What's blocking you from making progress? Sure. And I recognize that I was very, very closed off. Even though I was doing well, I was still very closed off to other things. Uh, not simply relationships, but just in general. I was like, you know, let me just keep my focus right here, right down this little narrow path, because then I won't get hurt. And if I don't have to look at anything, then nobody will look at me, and then nothing will go wrong. Um, except that also means you're missing out on opportunities, and you're missing out on possibilities, and you're missing out on some things that could be really amazing. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, it... it it was hard. I mean, there's just no way around it. And that, that's like a common theme in my book and in everything I teach is it's hard. The healthy choice is always the hard choice. That's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, you decide to make the hard choices and possibly something really good will come out of it. You don't know. Sure. Um, and the importance of connection you touch on in chapter five, how would you say going through your past relationships impacts you today? What are some of the biggest things you've learned about yourself? Um, I think for sure it's just to stay true to who and what I am and not get lost in somebody else's stuff. I'm always going to be uh, supportive and empathetic and helpful, but I'm not going to take ownership of somebody else's drama. I'm not going to get sucked into somebody else's problem that they're choosing to not fix. That's your choice. Um, and if you want to continue to complain about it, I'm probably not your girl. Um, I'll be there. I'll listen a couple of times. I will help you through everything. But if you're going to choose to not make changes, then I don't really want to hear about it anymore. So let's just either talk about something else or maybe we're, we just don't have a friendship or a relationship. Maybe and we're just not suited for each other in that way. Um, I also am very selective as to who I choose to spend time with. And they have to add value in some way to my life. Um, there's just not enough time to give to everyone and everything. So, and value can mean a lot of different things, right? It doesn't mean you have to give me something, but I have to feel like I didn't just waste my time. 
And whether that's with a guy that I'm thinking about going out with, or it's, you know, a new friend that's trying to make friends with me at the gym, or it's a business connection, or it's whatever, I, I'm going to be selfish. There has to be some benefit to me for this. Mm-hmm. And maybe the benefit is simply, I'm helping you, and that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's value in that, for sure. So in some way, I always take inventory of, is this relationship or this interaction going to add value? Yeah, and, and kind of... Be open at first, but then also be selective. Once you've gathered the information, it, absolutely, and then make an educated decision. Yes, like because the clothes off not going to work. The being too open is not going right. to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, I think people can be quick to judge, and I think if you're not open first and foremost, you you can miss out on so mm-hmm. so much. And for some reason, as humans, I just feel like we love that pack. You mentioned the pack mentality, like in yeah. high school, we love to kind of just like, oh, I'm good. I got everything I need. Um, but we can miss out on so much and, and, yeah. and just like, you never know what conversation can lead to or what it could. Yeah. And in fact, part, part of my whole growth, um, is, was to really set intentions for the years. I don't make resolutions, but I do like to be kind of intentional and coming out of the really yucky place with my ex-husband when I was feeling like I was ready to face the world again, my theme for the year was don't be so lame. Because <laughs> yes. um, I truly had been very lame. I was the party of no, I did nothing except with my very close circle. Um, and so to not be so lame, I had to go out and be out and do things. Um, and then I started to grow with that and decided one year that my phrase was going to be explore and expand. And that mm. means to say yes when I would normally say no, to get out of my comfort zone to do things that I don't really like doing, but maybe I know that they'd be good for me. Could be a benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It could open a door to some way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they opened a lot of doors. And so that was last year's. And now this year's (laughs) theme is to push, um, to just push through some things, Mm. whatever that is, push over, push through, push around. I don't know. Wow. Do you have a yeah. quick like story about something that you, I like to call this bubble hopping, where you hop into a, a situation that you're kind of hesitant about, but then something came from it that was exciting? Yeah, actually. Um, so it's actually surrounding this whole podcast thing, which is <laughs> funny. Um, it was about a year and a half ago, uh, an, an, a, a friend introduced me to another friend. And little did I know that there was an ulterior motive for all of this. It's because this other friend thought that we should all do a podcast together. And I thought, oh, that's just dumb. Why? Who is going to want to hear anything I have to say? Like, ugh, no. But, okay, in my effort to explore and expand, why not? Sure. So I went along and I, you know, I, I really gave it the good old college try. And turns out that the friend who introduced us... Um, is still a friend, but the new one and I are very good friends. Um, and I love her dearly. And, um, in the midst of all of this, I had also decided to get out of my comfort zone and reach out to somebody who's a a rather well-known Denver personality, just Facebook message said, Hey, I really like your show. Well, it turns out she was starting a podcast and she said, Hey, do you want to be interviewed on my show? I'm like, okay. And then she said, Uh, by the way, I'm having a competition. It's a, do you want to be a podcaster competition? And I'm like, oh, and I thought this is my out. This is my out with my friend that we're trying. I'm like, I'm going to send her to do this competition. (laughs) And I did. And she won it and she is killing it. She's got a 
fantastic kick-ass podcast. I've been interviewed on a whole bunch of them because now this whole world is opened Open. up. Yeah. Um, I really am a, a good friend of the radio personality that I had reached out to. I actually like her on a human and friend level. And um, so it's been wonderful. And had I not stepped out of my comfort zone and done those two things none of that would have happened for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so it's so important and that that's a really <laughs> encouraging story. So I'm glad you said that. So one of the last things I'd like to touch on, um, mindfulness, the power of thoughts, what mm-hmm. that looks like to you. Um, and we already talked about how specific it is to everybody. Not everybody should sit and close their eyes and meditate for hours. That might not be what you need, but what has been your ex- um, experience with finding mindfulness and how is it How does it look like in your life today? Yeah, I think to me, it really just means being intentional and thoughtful about how you're spending your resources, your time, your money, and your energy. And a lot of times we devote time, money, and energy to things that don't matter um, or to things that are not going to be helpful or help us achieve our goals. And then they're wasted. We don't get them back. Um, So, you know, it's part about being selective with who I spend time with. Um, but I think just in general, you know, the thought process, because fight or flight is ingrained in us and negativity is tied to fight or flight. That's what has helped us survive. Mm -hmm. Because if you couldn't detect a threat, you would have been eaten. Um, so we're wired for it and that's why it's so natural and, and where we go first and it's easy. That's why it's easy, right? It's where we go and it's where we stay. Cause that's easy. Cause it's ingrained in us. So the hard choice is to choose to look a different way, right? To choose to rewrite the script, to contemplate this thought that I have, to challenge it, to, you know, dispute it, to maybe decide that it is true. And maybe this negative opinion, thought, whatever I have going on, maybe it's true. Okay, well, then what am I going to do to make it no longer be true? Like, that's where the opportunity for growth is. But to just dwell on negativity is not helpful. Um, It's not productive and it only feeds more negativity. So I have found it personally my own helpful way to do it is just to steer it in a different direction. If it's a thought that I'm having myself, um, then I have to combat that thought with another thought. That's my rule for myself. Um, having a, a personal positive mantra, I think is really helpful. Otherwise you're just focusing on the thing you're trying to not think about. Right. Um, so this just completely redirects your thoughts somewhere else. If negativity is coming your way, then you get to decide what you're going to do to it. And if you don't feed the beast, the beast will starve and it will go away. Um, so you can change the conversation. You can decide to end the conversation whatever, whatever the situation calls for. Um, again, it's the hard choice because the easy choice is just to sit there and smile and nod or get sucked into it and contribute it. to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Spiral. Yeah. Yep. And, but that usually then leads to just more negativity, whether it's an energy that you feel or an action you'd then participate in. It's often not going to be positive and productive. Mm-hmm. Do you um, suggest that people... How do you suggest that people get practice that? Like, what do you mean combat the thought? So, like, maybe break that down a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so I think you first have to be aware of your own internal dialogue, right? I yes. mean... Your self-talk? Yes. Right? What's that? Yes. <laughs> um, because we listen to it all the time, 
Um, but we don't do anything about it or we just continue to beat ourselves up about it. So I actually had a, a client who I, this was an exercise that I had her do because I knew that all of her obstacles were because of her beliefs about herself and her talk like about limiting herself. limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and, right. So I had her keep for one week, um, a journal and just write down every time she had that internal conversation that was negative, she had to write it down and then she had to write a rebuttal sentence to it. Ooh. And, and at the end of the week, she filled up almost an entire notebook because she'd become so desensitized to her negativity. She didn't even hear it. Yeah. 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 She didn't hear it or recognize it at all. And so you have to gain that awareness first. And then you just have to step outside yourself and decide that it's not okay to talk to yourself like that. Because <laughs> you wouldn't talk to other people like that. Right. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like if people heard the way you, a lot of people self-dialogue, they would wouldn't believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And someone said too, you know, would you say that to your four-year-old child? Or your four-year-old right? self. Right. Oh my God. Sometimes I've right. heard that before. Like, can you imagine telling yourself like, you look fat right now or you're such a lazy, like you would never yeah. talk that way to yeah. yourself or like anybody. Yeah. How could you, yeah. Like how could that? Yeah. So I think you do have to have that awareness and then you have to decide that you don't want that dialogue anymore. Right. Cause it's mm-hmm. a choice. And then you choose to say different words and reframe things in a different way. I have a, a great example of a class I was teaching, um, kind of on this topic and a woman, you know, kind of chimed in and said, you know, I used to really beat myself up because I was forgetting things. I'd be like, Oh, I can't believe I forgot where the keys are. And, oh, what is wrong with you? You forgot to tell the husband to pick up the milk and just totally berating herself. And she said one day it dawned on her that the moment she realized she forgot, she had actually remembered. So instead, she would say, oh, I'm glad I remembered where I put my keys. Oh, I'm so glad I just remembered I have to tell the husband to pick up milk. Oh, I just remembered I got to send that email. Right? The situation is exactly the same. It's just the words that she's using to frame it are completely different. And they have a very different energy. And it leaves you feeling a very different way about yourself. Um, and so simply just reorganizing the words to get the same point across mm-hmm. can be extremely powerful. I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, I like even the journal idea. I think that's, a, that's been a hard one for me personally. Um, the first time I meditated, I shared about this in one of the episodes, I heard myself punishing myself for not being good at it oh, and not yeah. sitting still or my eyes are being open or just feeling so frustrated. And I, and I, became so emotional by being quiet and actually hearing the way I was Mm. keeping myself, like pushing myself down into this box. It was the most eye opening thing ever. And I'm still, and that's, you know, I'm still working on like actually hearing that. And, um, I think that's a really great practical way to dive into that. Yeah. How are you actually treating yourself? We always judge, right? Why would you be good at meditation? It's not natural. Right. (laughs) Right? We're wired to be, look over there, check out this. What about here? Ooh, there's danger. Ooh, check that out. Mm -hmm. That's how we've survived. So to think that we should be good at meditation is just stupid. Why would we be good if you haven't practiced? Yeah. Um, And it really is just training your brain to come back on command to where you want it to come. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Um, the last part, I know this is more about the eating part that we start with, but I want to talk about the weight, um, Oh, way to yes. manage emotional eating, yes. how you talk to yourself around food. Cause that is, yeah, is so common. 
Yeah, so weight is just a, a little um, phrase. What, what are those things? Acronym. Acronym. Like, what is that called? Acronym. <laughs> yes, that I um, created, coined. And it's why am I tempted to eat? So I think we do a lot of things on the impulse, and then we beat ourselves up about it, especially when it comes to food choices. If it's things that we weren't supposed to eat or we weren't going to eat, and then we did anyway, and then we get mad, and you know how that goes. Um, so it's just a way of just taking a little time out and just checking in with yourself and why am I tempted to eat the pizza or the donuts or the ice cream or the alcohol or whatever it is. And if, you know, the answer is anything other than pure physical nourishment, then maybe you ask yourself, is it worth it? Right? Because I believe we should have those things that maybe don't do anything on a physical health level, but they nourish me emotionally. Mm -hmm. They feed my soul. I just love the way it tastes, mm -hmm. right? It feeds me in a different way because to get in our all or nothing, that's diet mentality. It ain't going to get you far. Um, and you life end up is food. Life is about right. celebration. And yes. Right. Um, and so we should have those things we enjoy. I, for me personally, I know I can't have those things as much as I want, as often as I want, and still have an outcome that I want. And so those are things that I have to be thoughtful about. And if it's something that is nourishing me in a purely emotional way, just because I really love it, or it's connecting me with my friends or with my culture or the people I'm with at the time... Mm. I'm going to love it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to feel bad about it because to have something that you love only to then beat yourself up about is completely pointless. Um, and it's, it's just a way to then just decide if it's worth it. And if it's worth it, then by all means, dig in and love it and enjoy it. But recognize that it can't probably always be worth it and still have an outcome that you like. Right. So mm -hmm. that's for everyone to kind of figure out what the balance of those choices is. Sure. And I, I definitely am a fan of, again, focusing on the positive. So when I work on my own self with nutrition and with anybody who is trying to eat healthier, I always will ask them to first just make a list of healthy foods that you like, mm -hmm. because if you like them, you'll eat them. And inevitably, they start telling me all the things that they don't like. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's fascinating information but I don't really care it doesn't matter what you don't like because yeah it's nothing not gonna, to me right right <laughs> let's talk about what you like focus on the positive because you'll eat these things mm -hmm. um and so for a lot of people you know the whole food thing really has been about the food lists these are the good foods and these are the bad foods you can only have this twice a week you must have this every other day right and it's just this rules it's mm -hmm. rules and some people do really well with that sure right so knowing your personality knowing what works for you is always going to be my message. That didn't work for me at all. <laughs> it yeah. was, okay, I'm going to be really, really, really good. And then, and then I'm not. I love the dialogue. <laughs> we were like, and then you slept in and you're mad at yourself and you go to work and then you're like cranky about it. And so you eat this and then you don't go to the gym after work because you're in stuck in traffic and you're tired. The whole cycle of like, that is so, so true. Yeah. Yeah. I know because I've lived it. <laughs> I promise you everything I write about is either my own personal experience or somebody I've come across in the last 22 years. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I have I have a little bit of age on me, not not a lot yet. I got a lot to go, but I've lived enough of a life and 
been around enough people who have gone through a lot of different experiences. When I was a lot younger, I was training people in their 40s and 50s, and I was learning all about hormones and at a young age because I was working with people who were going through it. That made me want to understand it and learn it and learn exactly what this is all doing on a chemical level in our bodies and how our choices affect what our chemicals do. And vice versa, right? It's right. always that two-way street. It's an ecosystem yes, here. It's all absolutely. related. Totally. So what has been one of the biggest things that has come from this book for Ooh, you? Gosh, it's so brand new. It's only six weeks old. Um, but I've gotten some really incredible feedback from people who have no reason to give me incredible feedback, quite honestly. And that is like really amazing um, because I know it's such a brand new baby that the people it's already touched I know that this thing isn't going to go anywhere and 10 20 years from now this is still going to be helping people um, so just to know that this is solidified <laughs> and it's for real once the baby's out it's not going back in so um, <laughs> there's no turning there's back. no turning back so that's it's been really cool to get some feedback from people um, some who I know personally but not very well and others who are total strangers that just decided to tell me how incredible the book was and, mm -hmm. and the how really, relatable I'm sure yeah. that's the piece that's missing in so many books like this like, and you want to hear the funniest thing yeah my editor told me to take all that personal stuff out because it takes away from the message of your book no joke really yeah I mean that's and I how told some him books are written, sorry not happening yeah <laughs> Yeah, like, mm, you don't get it. Sorry, yeah. that's not happening. This is how I'm coming into the world to explain yeah. why this is beneficial yeah. and how it's impacted And me. that's the number one piece of feedback I get is, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing your stories. Yeah. Like, there's no need to write this book if I don't tell my stories. Nobody needs another wellness book. There's a million out a million, there. A, not another wellness <laughs> podcast. Exactly. Perfectly said. No, it's the same thing. And that, that there is so much in hearing. And so much of how I learned is through hearing people's stories. Mm -hmm. And maybe not everyone's like that, but there are enough people yeah. on this planet that hear through personal experience, actually knowing that other people have gone through similar or challenging things it sort of just like unites us absolutely as one. it's that shared experience that makes us feel like okay we're okay totally and you know given you know what I do obviously I have the educational background and the professional experience but I also have the life experience that believe me when I'm standing up in front of a crowd whether there's five people or 500 people it doesn't matter I know everyone in that audience I've either thought it or done it if you've thought it or done it and I can tell that 100% honesty. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when I get up there and I share that so that they're not just thinking that, oh, well, here's this girl who's never had a, tr a struggle. Right, right, right. You know, it, it makes you connect. And it mm -hmm. does make people feel like, okay, hmm, now that I know that, I, I feel like I, I can do this. Totally. And that's all I want is honestly to just help people be better beings. I mean, mm -hmm. that's truly exactly what I want. And find a connection to their life that is healthy and balanced mm -hmm. and sustainable for them. 
Yeah. So where can people find your book and find more about you and work with you? Yes. So I am here in Denver. So anybody locally, um, look on my website. One day I'll post when my next workshop is. I just don't know when that is yet. But also do um, through Facebook and Instagram, which I have to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I write about that in my book. (laughs) But I know it's important, so I try to put little things out there every now and then. Uh, But my website is betterbeings.net. Um, the book is on my website or through Amazon. Um, yeah, if you work at a company and you want to have some wellness trainings, feel free to reach out. Um, if you're on a committee and you need some breakout sessions on resiliency or a motivational speaker for your conference, I would love to to, to talk with you about any of that because uh, those are all the platforms that I engage on. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and this message with us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah, it was so nice to meet you finally in person. Yes, you as well. And um, you guys have to get your hand on this book. I mean, I still have a few more pages to go, admittedly. She still has some juicy parts (laughs) to get to. But I was reading this on on the bus and completely zoned out and was like, oh my gosh, this is so relatable and this is so powerful. And there are so many things in here that like, at my in my 27 years I've already run into and I'm sure I'll run into more of them and I really think of it as like a it's a practical toolkit and it's like a book you can go back into and be like oh you know what like this feels off and like where can I start and you cover that you cover the fitness and nutrition and sleep and mindset and all of it and relationships so I'm just I loved it oh, so thank far you. <laughs> it's very thorough I've had a lot of people say wow, that was way more than I expected. And and I was like, yeah, I know. Thank and you. What, like 250 pages. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's really well done. So yeah, just thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. 